Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I'm kind of amazed that anybody ever gets any level of agreement at all. Because over the course of the past few days, I've been digging in deeply to this idea of fiefdoms and how people, all of us, engage with, follow, respect, admire, or disdain, disagree, despise people in certain groups, people with certain attitudes, and it's not just across political lines. It's, it's, it's inside the house. And, and maybe this is just part of a necessary growth plan of, of individuals, of human beings, that we necessarily have to engage in these battles because these battles actually make us better. But via social media, they have this propensity towards disarray and dysfunction and, and create, creating possibly even larger issues before they get healed. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. So let me do what I'm told you're not allowed to do in, in conservative politics. Let me disagree with Tucker Carlson. I know, I know, right? How dare you? Already people, boom, right there. And this has become apparent to this, this fracturing, not, I mean, it, I shouldn't say just recently, but I think th- at recent things have allowed me to go back in, into some recent history. Um, specifically, um, this thing between Ben Shapiro and, and, and Candace Owens. It's clear now that Ben wants Candace to leave Daily Wire. It's clear that he won't just come out and fire her for whatever her contract is. It's clear that she believes that she is pious and Ben is is acting in a despicable manner. And the people from outside are like, I like Candace. Oh, no, I like Ben. No, Candace is the worst. No, Ben is the worst. Um, what I think of them is inconsequential. I can tell you this much. I have never made an overture to do work with Daily Wire outside of, hey, congratulations, I wish you the best. The end. Not where I want to be. But that's part of my own personality. Back in the day when I was in Los Angeles, I never made an overture uh, to really work with, uh, with Andrew Breitbart. I was never opposed to Andrew. Rest his soul. It's just... I. I didn't want to work with the guy. I wanted to be the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm honest about that and, and, and what, I was, what I was going for. It took me longer uh, to, to find my, my home, but I, I'm glad I found it. This fight with uh, Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens kind of made itself uh, apparent. And, and, of course, it is, uh, I guess, this Israel conversation that brings it to the fore, but that's what's bringing it to the fore now. We can see it in other places and other subjects. But it was the statement from Tucker Carlson on, on his show, Tucker on X, where he's got Candace Owens as, as his guest. 
This is what Tucker Carlson said. There's also, I can't help but notice that I, your views reflect mine, I would say pretty much. I'm, I'm an American. I was horrified by what happened on October 7th. I also think it was pretty strange. Um, I don't really understand how it happened, but innocents died, and that's awful. And I hated watching that. And I feel so sorry for the Israelis um, who were killed. However, there's an emotional response that is disproportionate, I think, on the part of some commentators. I mean, our country's being invaded right now by millions of young men whose identities we don't know, who probably don't even like America, and they're now living here. Over 100,000 Americans die every year of fentanyl. I've known a couple. Those are real tragedies. I've never seen anything like the emotion from any commentator around those tragedies as I'm watching about a foreign tragedy. I think that's odd. I looked at that. His statement of it, I'm quoting here, I'm an American. Our country is being invaded right now. Over 100,000 Americans die every year of fentanyl. Those are real tragedies. I've never seen anything like the emotion from any commentator around those tragedies as I'm watching about a foreign tragedy today. I responded by saying, this is pretty damn ugly from Tucker. And of course, the trades picked it up. (laughs) So, off to the races. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty ugly thing for Tucker Carlson to say. Um, First, this isn't a foreign tragedy. If we discuss the hostages, which I'm sorry, I think we're the only show in America. And that, again, would be wrong, right? It's not. Uh, we're, We're one of the only shows in America discussing the hostages. Everybody else wants to forget this point. The ceasefire people sure as hell want to forget this point. We're not forgetting. We're constantly on it. But I think the big thing here is we talk about the border. Have I not said even in the wake of this, the border is the biggest story in America? Don't we talk about this all the time? We are very clear on, on, on the issues. I've never seen anything like the emotion from any commentator around those tragedies as I'm watching about a foreign tragedy. I didn't know Tucker was going to play the part of Pauline Kael. The story of Pauline Kael, and it's attributed to her, although it might not have actually happened. A socialite in New York. When Richard Nixon won re-election, the comment that is attributed to her is Nixon. I don't know anybody who voted for Nixon. That's a great line. That's a spectacular, spectacular line. Your little world didn't know somebody else might do something. No one in your little world did X, so therefore, how is it possible? Oh, the hatred in that and the self-hate in that is just epic. I thought it was ugly for Tucker to say that um, people are too emotional about Israel. And not focused enough on their own country. And so I said, this is pretty damn ugly from Tucker. On Twitter, on X, uh, I I have said this before, I'll say it again. Literally the most wonderful people in the world are a part of this show. You guys. Because some people, they didn't scream at me. Some people thought Tucker was spot on. I clearly didn't. But a couple people said, Tony, maybe, maybe I'm seeing it differently than you. 
But here's what I think Tucker said. What I think Tucker is saying is is that people, it's, it's not that he's saying that people are too outraged about the attacks on Israel. Rather, people aren't outraged enough about the border crisis. So that was uh, Lieutenant Dan on, on, on Twitter. And then somebody else made the point that uh, it, was, it was Charles in, in Indy, meaning Indianapolis. I think I see it differently. You've been shouting from the rooftops, meaning me, shouting from the rooftops about the border. And you're doing the same regarding the October 7th attacks and the subsequent insanity pro-Hamas support. Isn't he calling for commentators to be more like you, like to be able to walk and chew gum? And I said, those are two very interesting ways to look at it, right? They're basically having the same conversation. Let me, let me take a moment. Let me take a moment and look at that. You'll notice they weren't screaming. They weren't yelling, oh, you're so dumb. They said, whoa, hold on. What if he meant it this way? That's rare. This is a rare thing to happen in, in, in the social media verse. It's why, it's why I do this. It's why I love you. It's why this is, this is so great. The respect of the response and, and, and the style of the response, decent all the way. And I said, okay, what if Tucker is saying that he's calling on people to be more focused on things happening in the United States. So I thought about that for a while, and then I went back to his to his line here. And 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 this this I believe was it right here. And they're now living here. Over a hundred thousand Americans die every year of fentanyl. I've known a couple. Those are real tragedies. I've never seen anything like the emotion from any commentator around those tragedies as I'm watching about a foreign tragedy. I- So I listened to that again, and I read it again. I'm an American. Our country is being invaded right now. Over 100,000 Americans die every year of fentanyl. Those are real tragedies. I've never seen anything like the emotion from any commentator around those tragedies as I'm watching about a foreign tragedy. And I go back to this, and I say, wait, no. This is pretty damn ugly from Tucker. Because to to your point on on, on, uh, the Twitter X there, I am talking about these things, which I'm not alone. We're talking about these things. So when he says he's never seen a commentator, he never looked. He made an, a, 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 an accusation, if he will. And the accusation is, is one of engaging a moral superiority. I have never seen anybody do what I do. And I'm like, that's ugly. But to, to a larger point, I, I still think that he's making the argument that there is a, an emotional response that's unacceptable because he refers to it as disproportionate. I don't believe that to be the case. I don't believe that to be the case at all because I think he's making an argument that people are too emotional about a terrorist attack in Israel. You're making the argument that he's saying you have to be equally. I don't even know if you have to be equally. I do think you have to recognize what's happening in the country that you live in. 
I do think that you have to recognize what it is that we're dealing with, and we have to be more focused on it and solving it. But as we've discussed, people don't want to solve this problem. They want to use it for a political purpose. But he's making a statement that nobody is living up to his standard. And first, my job is not to live up to Tucker's standard. I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad at him. I just think this is ugly. I think he should rethink it. And secondly, you want to go through the country and start finding all the hosts who have done it? Do they now have to prove themselves at, at the foot of Tucker? It, is, it was a snobbish, elitist statement. If he said, I see a lot of hosts focused on Israel, I want to see even more hosts also focused on the problems at home. Okay. That isn't what he said. This isn't a foreign tragedy. And I think that's a pretty awful bit of wordsmithing right there. It's not a foreign tragedy. I'm going to say it again. It is not a foreign tragedy. You've got American hostages, and oh, by the way, when you really start breaking down what it is Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, and others have said, they're saying the hostages are dead. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't want it to be true. That's what it seems to me that they're saying. American hostages doesn't make it a foreign tragedy. So, yeah, I go back to it. This is pretty damn ugly from Tucker. I don't say that Tucker isn't entitled to his point of view, which some people say, oh, you're trying to silence him. You think I could silence Tucker? Are you out of your damn mind? Are you out of your mind? You mean the guy who told Fox to go kiss his ass, somehow Tony Katz is going to silence him? Guys, I'm I'm pretty good, but uh, but I, I understand what's up. And, and, and I know who's bigger than me. I don't let it affect me, obviously. But I understand there are things I cannot do. I cannot stop Tucker on any day. And I'm not trying to. But you put something out into the world, I'm allowed to say I, I, I agree or I disagree. And I thought this was pretty damn ugly. Because it is. It was elitist. And immediately people went to protecting their fiefdom because no one can say anything bad about Tucker. He lives on high. Praise be to his name. And by the way, you can replace Tucker with Candace Owens or with Ben Shapiro or with this one or with that one or the other. People will do it. And I don't know, maybe that's just where we are right now in the cycle. And then that cycle will, will break down. And there will be others. Everyone competing for their little piece as opposed to how do we win? What is clarity? How do we make this a national conversation? Nope. Just protect mine, build mine, grow mine, my people. That's all that matters. I don't know. Something about this Candace Penn thing, something about this response, I think it's going to be tougher and tougher to get more and more people together. But maybe that's the way it has to be for a while. I don't know. 
I thought this was ugly. I certainly am not going to stop Tucker from saying what he wants. I think this was an ugly statement. I think there are more hosts out there, more commentators doing good on these subjects than are getting credit for it. Uh, That said, everybody's going to fall within their peoples, within their groups, and the fights will continue. I'm Tony Katz. Dow is down 126. NASDAQ is down 13. They've had, it's been a good run past week and a half. The idea that there might be a little profit taking is not insane. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Amazon is now going to allow auto dealers to sell cars on its site. I don't know how that works. Amazon will allow auto dealers to sell cars through its site. So it's still going through a dealer. So that's that's so it's not Hyundai selling direct. Because for whatever reason we still don't allow that. They're still going through the dealership. Am I do I have this right? Do I understand this? I mean, people have very much gotten used to the idea of buying a car online. So, you know, you, 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 uh, I, I think, does Tesla really even have dealerships or they just have showrooms? And then you've got Carvana and how that works. You can do the same thing with, with, with CarMax. Just buy the car. And, what, what was that? You know, I, I, Amazon is starting with Hyundai, producer Jason. I understand that. But my point is, my question is, does it still go through the dealership? Or is this a direct sale? Now, I'm, I'm going through the article because it, ju- it just came up. And it says uh, uh, you can pick it up or have it delivered by the local dealership. So it does go through the local. Now I have a question. So it goes through your local dealership. Is the dealership now getting paid as a delivery service? Is that a, a new model for them? Or are they able to still uh, obtain the, the markup situation on the vehicle itself? Is Amazon undercutting the dealership? And if it then goes through the dealership, does the dealership care? If this is the case, does that mean there are four uh, car salesmen that are no longer needed? Because after all, that part doesn't matter. What matters is people coming back and getting an oil change or or, or a, a new hose. I don't know. I don't know much about cars, but I think they have hoses. And sometimes you need a new one. You're like, you're like you, need a, you need a new hose. That's what I'm curious about. I want to know how it works. Because while I, I appreciate a good technological advance, no issue, no problem with that. This signals to me that there are going to be a lot less car dealers. Maybe say it differently. Do you walk into the car dealership? Hey, I'm looking for this, this, and this. Well, here. Here's the kiosk. And just uh, click uh, for what you're looking for over at uh, Amazon Car Sales. And then we'll just deliver it to you. And that's the business? It's an interesting change. 
It's a weird kind of way to actually go direct, isn't it? I'm Tony Katz. the so-called lone actor threat, we cannot and do not discount the possibility that Hamas or another foreign terrorist organization may exploit the current conflict to conduct attacks here on our own soil. We have kept our sights on Hamas and have multiple investigations into individuals affiliated with that foreign terrorist organization. You would think this would be a bigger story. You would think that, yeah, look, we've got 600,000 Godaways that we could say, yeah, we have no idea uh, where they are in the country. We knew they came into the country, but we weren't able to get them, and now we don't know where they are in the country. Uh, and uh, we, it's, it's possible, possible, possible. We're not saying it's going to happen. We're possible, you know, like winning the lottery or stubbing your toe or, uh, you know, having, uh, having Taylor Swift write a song about your breakup. Possible that there are terrorists in the country who are going to act out upon their desires to destroy Western civilization. It's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Oh, who am I? Christopher Ray, FBI director. What do I know? What do I know? What do I know? Uh, okay. That is some testimony. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833. Got Tony. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. That's the, uh, that's uh, the number. Can the FBI guarantee American, the American people that known or suspected terrorists, including any from Hamas or other terror groups, are not among the gotaways? The answer from Christopher Ray? Well, certainly the group of people that you're at, that you're talking about are a source of great concern for us. That's why we're aggressively using all 56 of our joint terrorism task forces. Oh, holy hell, you mean you don't know? Well, hey, the good news is we're not tracking any specific plot uh, and, and we're keeping a close eye on what the, the terrorist group's intentions are possibly in the United States and around the globe. Terrific. Terrific. Were you doing that when Hamas attacked Israel? I thought it was an interesting piece because we've already discussed this regarding Israel. Mossad dropped the ball. And after this war is over, the Israeli intelligence uh, sector, uh, there are going to be people who have to quit. There are going to be people who who are fired, and there are going to be people who are tried. This wasn't somebody with a, a, a bomb on a bus, which is disgusting and awful, and people die. It's a sick way to live. This is not knowing that Hamas had figured out how to paraglide like Red Dawn into a rock concert. Sorry, you saw the kites. You know, they used to do this with kites, right? They would, they would like, kind of like light kites on fire and send them over the walls and try and burn down uh, uh, Israeli villages, kibbutzes, uh, things like that. How did you not see this, Mossad? And I think that's a very legitimate question. Now, there's an argument for we're going to wait until 
after this war is over, and then we're going to deal with that. I actually have no doubt that they will. I said this from the beginning. Netanyahu will be gone. But how did American intelligence miss this? Well, what if it's the same way? One of the stories that we heard in the beginning was that Mossad missed this because Mossad was very focused on domestic issues. Domestic issues? What what domestic issue could they be focused on? Well, judicial reform. Okay. Benjamin Netanyahu wants judicial reform. Uh, They don't have in Israel uh, a constitution, really. They've got this weird hodgepodge, and they have a Supreme Court that doesn't base itself off of some uh, type of law. Rather, it bases itself off of the concept of reasonableness. And you're like, that is not a way to run a system of government. All of a sudden, we're all, uh, you know... Monty Python. You know, aquatic tarts passing out swords is not a way to run your government. It's real. It's it, when you dig into the Israeli politics, you're like, oh my gosh, you people do it terrible. I have no idea in many cases how they've survived this long. A country that could have seven different elections for prime minister in two and a half years, it's insane. It's not, that is not functional stuff. And if you want to have a real conversation about a uh, critique of Israeli policy, well, there you go. Then we can get into the critique of how they handled COVID, which was terrible. Outrageous in their lockdowns. Gross. But if Mossad was focused on these judicial reforms and there were mass protests across uh, the country and they were trying to help those protesters... Then they took their eye off the ball. And we see this a lot because we clearly see that people are more interested in the activism than they are in the job itself. Peter Strzok and Lisa Page were more interested in destroying Trump than they were keeping the nation safe. As a matter of fact, they were willing to manipulate their jobs and therefore engage in a less safe society under the guise of Trump is evil and has to be stopped. Well, what if, just like Mossad, was not focused on the right thing, what if U.S. intelligence agencies were the same? This is a story from Adam Credo over uh, Free Beacon. While Hamas planned its attack on Israel... Biden's intel community was focused on climate change. And from Biden's big visit with uh, Xi Jinping in San Francisco yesterday, what did they come to an agreement on? Climate. They got themselves a green pledge, don't you know? A green pledge. That's the best kind of pledge. This is the article from CNN. U.S. and China pledged to ramp up renewables in place of planet-warming fossil fuels ahead of Biden's G summit. What, what am I supposed to do with this pledge? I, hopefully, I'll be able to set it on fire so my family can be warm for two minutes because the way these people are going, you won't be able to run your furnace. 
You can't have a gas furnace, and then they will meter all the electric furnaces. You, your house will be 58 degrees. You'll be wearing four sweaters. But the environment will be A-OK, and isn't that what matters? How do you get China to go along with any of this? It's China. They lie. China wants power and wants control. China needs energy. China will buy the oil from Russia or they'll just put in coal-powered plants. They don't care. They don't care the emissions they spew out. They'll work a deal with some other nation and take their energy. They have no intention of going green. Only ridiculous Americans who don't understand that that China is a threat because they actually adore China and they sexually fantasize about China. You know it and I know it and they know it. It's pretty sad, but we know it. They refuse to recognize reality. Cooperation on climate change has long been seen as a rare bright spot in an otherwise difficult U.S.-China relationship, strained by tensions over trade, technology, human rights, and geopolitics. Whoa. Trade. They lie and manipulate the yuan to be, force us to spend more money. Technology. They steal it. Human rights. They take the Uyghur Muslims and enslave them, and they take the Hong Kongers and they kill them. And geopolitics. Did I mention about the cheating on the yuan against the U.S. dollar, stealing technology, and the killing and uh, the abuse of Uyghur Muslims and Hong Kongers? But luckily, there's a bright spot, and it's you not using your air conditioning in the summer. Thank goodness we have ourselves a bright spot. (sighs) that's hilarious that's hilarious climate we're still talking about this so why would the intel community be focused on it as congressman mike waltz states the world faces unprecedented threats from communist china the iran regime and russia yet the biden administration is shifting intelligence and defense assets to focus on climate change He did. Biden added a climate scientist to his intelligence advisory board. That tracks national security issues. Executive orders that require the intelligence community to assess security threats posed by climate change. And some of the reports say we're not really focused on the things that matter. You got to focus on the things that matter. When we talk about woke, when we talk about uh, the, these idolaters and, and, and these ideologues focused on things that clearly aren't the threat, well, then the threat gets to grow and the threat gets to fester. So what does one do uh, about these things? Well, you got to change out the people who uh, engage the focus. That's about elections, and I, and I get it all the time. Tony, you can't win an election in the United States. Everything's been stolen. You can't do it. Well, okay, you have a nice day. I don't, I don't, what, there's nothing else to say to you. All you do is moan and complain and kvetch, but you don't bring a solution to the table. And then you get mad at me. Bring a solution. You don't think the answer is elections. What do you think the answer is? 
What do you, what do you think the answer is? If the answer is not winning elections, if it is not ballot harvesting and ballot curing, everything the Democrats do, if it isn't the early voting and getting it done so you can get in there and then change the voting rules so you get you end this barbaric practice that allows for the opportunity for fraud, which is early voting. What's your plan? Okay. I'll wait. I'll wait till you have a plan. In the meantime... This is a great example of leadership failing us, of leadership not recognizing the actual threat in front of them, but rather the threat they desire to have that fits the ideological need. When unserious people are put in serious positions, this is what you get. There's no need for a climate scientist to be tracking national security issues. There just isn't. It's unserious about national security. Climate is not national security. I don't argue that you don't want to take care of the planet. I argue that to think that climate is national security, but Hamas isn't necessary in the world of national security, isn't worth thinking about. That's unserious stuff. I think we should run ads about that. I think that presidential candidates should be moving forward with those topics. But I don't know if they're going to listen to me because the latest poll from Fox is so completely insane. I don't know why anybody else is in this race. Except what else are they going to do? And Lord knows if the polls mean anything regarding Iowa. I will share that story coming up. I'm Tony Katz. This latest poll from Fox News is insane. Insane. Does the DeSantis camp know the levels of issue they're having? I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Nikki Haley hurt herself with this whole thing about uh, you can't be anonymous on the Internet. I think there's I think that does actually connect as a it's an ugly thought. But the Fox News poll that has Trump 62, DeSantis 14, Haley 11. 62? That's nothing. The Quinnipiac poll before that had him at 64. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. That's nuts. The latest poll out of Iowa is the Iowa State Civics poll. I think this one just came out. Trump 54, DeSantis 18, Haley 12, Ramaswamy 6. That's nuts. By the way, it's only 432 likely Republican caucus attendees with a margin of error of 6%. Yeah, it's, that's pretty extreme. But it tells a story. I mean, it gets used in telling a story. In New Hampshire, did you see the latest? The New Hampshire one makes you look at the national one and say, okay, what's happening here? Trump 42, Haley 20, Christie 14, 
DeSantis, nine. Ramaswamy, eight. Now, you understand that Christie is running the New Hampshire election. This is his plan. Don't worry about Iowa. Score in New Hampshire. Limp through South Carolina, possibly in a top three somewhere. Well, hope beyond hope and get to a Super Tuesday fight. Maybe you'll pick up some money. That's that's what he's hoping for. Look, you got to at least discuss where he envisions the thing, not that he's going to get there. It's fascinating that this Fox poll nationally is just a blowout for Trump in a way that is like nearly he's 48 points up. And then you look at Iowa, which certainly shows him up, and you're like, this Iowa State Civics poll has him 10 points higher than the Trafalgar poll. Trafalgar only had him at 44. So then you look at the margin, very like, okay, let's say I don't believe that. And New Hampshire has the most competitive it has been in a while. The last time Trump was at 42, Nikki Haley was at 14. Now at 20. If, 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 you follow, if you believe polling, why is anybody even trying in this race? It's crazy. This number of, sp- this level of spread. Crazy. Or you'd be like me and be like, yeah, I ain't going to believe anything until I see what the people of Iowa do. I want to see what they do. And I'm starting to get the feeling that I really should go out there for the caucuses. I mean, I'm not set up to do it, but oh, you got to see it in real person, right? I'm Tony Katz.